1: Problems present themselves through conflict, miscommunication, creative differences, unclear expectations, and motivational issues. ARC Integrated is here to address these challenges through executive coaching and customized interactive trainings. Create lasting positive change that will improve your bottom line and create a culture that attracts talent and reduces turnover by going to arcintegrated.com. That's arcintegrated.com. How does an economy that is more mindful and less mindless become a reality? Welcome to the Mindful Marketplace. I'm your host, Joel Skeen, and I'm happy to welcome you to the show where we ask experts, entrepreneurs, investors, and industry leaders for their perspectives on how all of us can, on every level, do our part to help create a more mindful marketplace. Welcome to the Mindful Marketplace. My name is Joel Skeen, and I am really, really excited about our conversation today with the executive director, CEO, uh, master of all trades for Arc Integrated, Michael Dietrich Chastain. Um, He's really gonna help us understand how culture, leadership and psychological safety are keys to creating a more mindful marketplace that we talk about here each and every week. So cannot wait to get into that with him. But before we do, first, let's hit the balance sheet, assets, Liabilities, debts, and investments. So, for assets this week, um, I want to talk about a natural resource that really is the lifeline for humans, and that is water. You know, water is a way of life. Not only does it provide life, but it's a way of life for a lot of us here in the Carolina region. Um, everything from commercial to recreational fishing to even oyster growers to the tourism industry, all of it really is dependent on clean water. The thing is, many people may not fully understand how their actions and at their homes, in their businesses, on the roads, uh, and out of all the things that they do in life affect the water quality. Um, You have water quality on one side, that's about having water that's clean enough to drink, but you also have water quality in the sense that it needs to be clean enough for ecosystems to function as they need to. And all of these things obviously directly benefit us as human beings on this planet. Um, Experts say that there's a lot of ways that water gets impacted. And there are some things that people can control. Um, You know, one of the biggest culprits responsible for affecting water quality is actually storm runoff. And one thing I hadn't thought about, but I learned recently is how does that water runoff happen and how do these floods happen? You know where land is developed by humans rainwater often isn't able to be absorbed by the soil in the same way um, which it would have naturally and that can cause more polluted water and more flooding you know floods don't actually start at the river they don't actually start at the coast they start where the water runs downhill down the mountains so constructing rain gardens building permeable surfaces and other measures can all help slow this runoff and as at the spots closer to the water, actions like encouraging marinas and other water businesses to take part in clean marina programs can really help. Liabilities. Um, I want to talk a little bit about monopolies. You know, we talk here on the Mindful Marketplace about how monopolies can really damage um, our ability to have the kind of thriving economy that's good for everyone. And recently, the Federal Trade Commission is now investigating Amazon. Um, Amazon made a $3.9 billion acquisition of a primary health organization called One Medical, a move that could, um, the, the FTC's investigation could delay the completion of this acquisition and of this merger. Amazon announced plans in late July to buy One Medical, which is a concierge type medical service with roughly 190 medical offices in 25 different markets. And last week, the e-commerce giant Amazon said it would shutter its own hybrid virtual in-home care service called Amazon Care, which was a competitor of One Medical, because it just wasn't really meeting their customers' needs. So there are several groups calling for stricter antitrust regulations, and they have urged the FTC to block One Medical merger with Amazon, arguing it would further expand Amazon's massive market power. Krista Brown of the American Economic Liberties Project said that allowing Amazon to control the healthcare data for another 700,000 plus individuals is, quote, terrifying, and that Amazon had no business being a major player in the healthcare space and regulators should block this $4 billion deal. On to debts. So the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau has issued the first in a series of reports focusing on the finances of consumers living in rural areas. The report focuses on rural Appalachians, which, you know, here where I'm located in Western North Carolina, obviously affects us here at home. Um, Rural Appalachians tend to earn less than consumers in other rural areas, and they actually have higher rates of subprime credit. In particular, medical debt collections are a much more prevalent issue among rural Appalachians, and consumers with medical debt collections often experience difficulties making ends meet on their other financial obligations. The director of the Consumer Financial Protection Group said that the Appalachian region of our country faces distinct challenges from other parts of rural America. Rural Americans play a pivotal role in our nation's food security and national security, so we must work to ensure that the financial marketplace can help families survive and thrive. One of the biggest issues is actually medical debt. The report found that nearly 24% of rural Appalachians have a medical debt that's already in collections, compared to just 17% nationally. Moreover, rural Appalachians with medical debt collections have over double the rates of delinquency for other credit products compared to those who do not have medical debt. And as listeners of the mindful marketplace know, helping families and businesses get free from debt without spending any additional money is a pet project of mine. And you can actually get a free customized debt payoff report and learn how to get free from debt in half the time or better by going to mindfulmarketplaceshow.com and then clicking on the button that says eliminate debt. And lastly, investments. So in addition to Wall Street, we talk a lot about how there are many ways to invest in small independent businesses. One example of those is crowdfunding. Now you may have heard of crowdfunding and you may be aware that crowdfunding campaigns campaigns raise funds for businesses through individual small contributions from a big pool of contributors. But there are three different types of crowdfunding to be familiar with. One is crowdfunding with equity where crowdfunding investors get a shares or profits of the company they invest in. There's also ones that are more based on rewards and donation-based crowdfunding where the money comes through donations and there's a reward program, usually a discount or a free product or service from that business. And there's also debt crowdfunding where you can make a loan to a small independent business through, where early these early stage companies are trying to attract investors who will charge Um, high interest rates for business loans, and the amounts are a lot smaller. Equity crowdfunding takes place through a bunch of online platform websites that put companies and investors together. Investors usually select the offerings they'd like to participate in and submit their funds and can even charge them onto a credit card. Investment amounts range widely, but you could get started investing in small independent businesses for as little as $100. And of course, with any investment, it's important to be aware of the risks, to do your due diligence, and to find out exactly where your money is going by reading about the company and how they plan to use that capital. Make sure to always go through a trusted platform, and as with any financial decision, it's important to think long-term. The amount of time it takes to see a return can really vary quite significantly, depending both on the type of investment and also on the company's success. All right, so that's the balance sheet. And now I'm excited to get into our conversation with Michael Dietrich Chastain. Uh, Michael, thanks so much for being on the show here today.
0: Welcome. Joel, it's great to be here with you. Thank you.
1: Yeah, man, I'm, I'm really excited to have you on. You know, you and I met uh, years ago. <laughs> I don't even remember <laughs> exactly when it was, but I remember we had a really um, strong connection right from the start because we, we sort of shared this um, similarity. And that we've both done work on sort of more the people side of things, uh, both in social work and psychology, but also on the business side of things. So, could you first just give us a little, a uh, little bit of your background and a little bit of kind of what your journey has been up to this point?
0: Sure. Yeah, it's, it's really been the blend of, you know, exploring change within the the individual's uh, standpoint, as well as exploring how to businesses uh, create positive change within systems of people. And so in, in short, you know, out of college, I, I got some uh, corporate job doing some account management and a little bit of leadership coaching and employee employer conflict navigation and um back then, my, my thought was I would go on and pursue a an, an PhD or master's in what's called industrial organizational psychology, which is essentially the work that we do today, helping organizations um, understand what are the, the people components of their business that they need to change or leverage in order to create scalability or growth. And so uh, did some of that corporate work for a little while. Um, harnessed an interest in taking a, a deeper dive into the human condition. And so went back and got a master's in counseling and then eventually a license as a therapist and lived in the mental health world, serving, uh, individuals, groups, families, couples, uh, for, for quite a while, a number of years taught me a lot about how people create change taught me a lot about, you know, the, how we manage, you know, deep challenges in our, in our lives, like we all do, and still had this interest in team and, in you know, business uh, structure and leadership and team performance. And so made a pivot back to corporate a number of years ago. And then uh, we started our own business in 2015 and have been supporting uh, organizations around the globe since then, typically from, again, a a leadership or team development standpoint, or helping them uh, manage change as an entire system. That's the very short uh, story of about, I don't know, 16 years or so. Yeah, well,
1: I know you've got a lot of experience and working with people from all different, you know, all different backgrounds and all different types of companies. And, you know, obviously it's important as we, you know, I was talking with Nathan Phillips um, on a previous show. He's talking about how we're in this sort of post-trust world and post-trust economy. And one of the biggest things is obviously that's that's very prevalent right now is talking about people getting paid a living wage and getting paid really what they're worth for their work. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there's something else that has to really happen in order to create a better business relationships, better economy. And that to me is, you know, sort of what you specialize in, which is how people treat each other within these organizations and the culture that's developed. How How mm-hmm. important is company culture to you when you think about creating a long lasting business?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's it's paramount. I mean, it's, it's not just one of the things that's important. It's, it's the thing that's, that's important. If we want to scale any business, small or large, um, where, where the pain points are often come from uh, company culture. And unless that's, unless it's defined, unless it's operationalized, unless it's, you know, it's very clear. uh, I think it's, it's hard to grow, or at least it's much slower to grow, to, to grow. Um, You know, the, the other, the other thing I would say that, I think is, 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 fascinating. Is this, is this, and I'm going to take a little bit of a turn here, Joel, but you know, there's this whole movement around uh, what's called conscious business or conscious leadership. And, you know, within that movement, it, it sees businesses as actually being vehicles for up-leveling, you know, consciousness of those that are involved and in, or even the communities in which they're in and um, what, one way to, to think about a conscious business is, is through what's called the four P's, which stands for uh, four bottom lines that a conscious business might focus on. Um, and, that, and those are uh, P for profit, of course. We want to focus on growing profit. We want to focus on growing people, which is the development of the folks that are within our company. We want to focus on uh, planet, so some sustainability model. And then we wanna focus on purpose. Does our business serve some greater purpose? And what we see at, at Arc Integrated, our, our uh, organization, is that the organizations that are focused on these uh, four P's um, not only are able to differentiate themselves, but um, are, really, are really doing much more than just being a business. They're really, uh, you know, they're serving their communities and they're, they're serving all the folks within them. And so just wanted to mention that as an, as an additional way to think about culture.
1: Yeah, I like that. And I want to hit specifically on because I think that, you know, I've even said this before. And you know, it's I think it's a common conception out there that it's sort of like people and profits in business are sort of at odds with each other that you sort Mm -hmm. of have to prioritize one over the other. But the longer I've been in a in a people business and in a relationship business, the more it seems to me that investing in your people is actually the way to increase the profits that there's actually a it's a it's more of a circular relationship than it is uh, a combative one. Would you Would you agree with that? I'd love to get your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, Joel, we we not only are in agreement about this, but I would argue that the that there is very clear science behind what you and I are saying here, and it and that the science has existed for decades. And so, uh, just to give some examples, I you know, you think you mentioned psychological safety earlier. That the whole term psychological safety comes from um, a doctor named Dr. Amy Edmondson out of Harvard, and the, that term was, was grown by a question that she was asking back in the 90s, which was around what do the highest performing teams, what, what's that predictor of performance? You know, is it their IQ? Is it their long work hours? Is it their connectivity with one another? Is it you know, their you know, their technical abilities? And, and then long story short, Joel, the, the answer to the prediction of performance is psychological safety. So it requires a psychologically safe space in order to create the kind of performance that we and, and you know all business owners want to take that research a step further google challenged that research in 2012 with a, with something called project aristotle which asked that same question what are the predictors of the highest performing groups in the world and they looked at groups across the industry across geography and found that same singular predictor psychological safety is the predictor for the highest performance now google's research expanded a bit to find um Five uh, total major predictors of success, which interestingly, back to the, the the quadruple bottom line, the four P's. One of those predictors of success is meaning. So, does the work have significance? Uh, you know, uh, uh, amongst a greater meaning, is it is it personally important? know to the to the team members and so just wanted to to expand on you know you and i yes we agree on these concepts and there's so much great science that tells us this is the answer to growth and uh, expandability of any business
1: i i also want to ask you a little bit about the the idea of of change you know because that's really what we're talking about here is a little when i ask the question you know how do we move from a a mindless marketplace to a more mindful marketplace that obviously is a process of change. And you actually wrote a a book called changes that was about how individuals and about how um, organizations and groups and businesses go through that process of change and changes. It's one of those things that we all say we want. (laughs) But it's Mm -hmm. also the things that we seem most resistant to, Uh, you know, I guess, you know, can you shed shed a little light on what you learned as you were writing your book changes?
0: Gosh, yeah, I could <laughs> I could go on and on about it. Well, you could write a book about it, obviously. All <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I guess I guess I would say just in short that, you know, I think generally we we tend to underestimate or or are just not aware of what are the predictors of our ability to both create and manage change. And the book essentially covers the answer to that question. And in my in my work and in, re, in the research that I've done, um, the, it comes down to these seven uh, pillars or aspects of our lived experience. And you know, just to give you to give you a, a little sampling of that, um, one of them is cognition, which is you know how we tend to think about challenges or problems. Are we more you know deficit oriented? Are we more problem oriented? Are we more anxious or avoidant? Or are we more opportunistic, abundant oriented, solution oriented? right? So where's our, where's our kind of lens when it comes to cognition? Um, Heart is another pillar. And the way that I define that is around our um, emotional selves. Are we, you know, are we aware of how we show up emotionally? Are we, you know, dealing with those things? Are we avoiding them or maybe ignorant to them? And there are five, you know, five others. And so, you know, in, in short, my answer would be, you know, to understand these pillars and see how they're showing up in our, you know, our individual experience around, ch- around creating any kind of change, whether that's personal or professional. And then the, the only other thing I would add, um, is these pillars are also relevant at the organizational level. So to take the, the cognition example, right, that's how we think, you know, organizations are just systems of people. And so how a system of, of individuals thinks is, is going to be either helpful or hurtful. And so I think that, um, you know, with, within organizations asking that same question, is our way of addressing problems, challenges, or changes, you know, are we thinking about it in a, in a healthy, productive way? Or are we, are we addressing it with more of a, of a deficit of a problem orientation of a victimization, etc. And so that's, a, that's a, a super short answer, Joel. I hope that's helpful.
1: No, I, I love that because it's, you know, we're all interconnected here. And that's a lot of what you talk about is how we work in groups. And, you know, not only is it important then to surround yourself with people who are, think the way you do have the kind of purpose that you want to have um, care about the things you want to care about, but also it, it it feels to me like a little bit of a, of a challenge of saying, you know, not only are you affected by the other people around you, but that you affect the people around you as well. And so mm-hmm it's almost a, it's a duty, I think, for us to call ourselves up, you know, to, to, to live, to do our business, to do our work, whether it's with our families, you know, regardless, in a way that sort of moves people and moves ourselves in the right direction and and kind of lifts ourselves up. I'm curious in, in all your work, um, working with a lot of different companies, I guess is there anything in in this uh whether it's your through your IO uh background or research or whatever it might be that sort of really surprised you about culture and leadership.
0: Mm. Yeah, two two things come to mind that uh that they're just I and mean, I'm sure there are many, but two things I can mention right now. Um one one is that, you know, leadership development is you know, I think Maybe this is obvious, maybe not, but it is a, a lifelong pursuit. So I think one of the things that leaders sometimes uh, are challenged by is the, is the framing around what is development as, as a leader. And, and the, the truth of it is, is that it, it is ever, ever present, right? Like there's always opportunity to become better and better as a leader. And there's always opportunity to continue to improve the ROI of that. And so I think that's an encouragement I would give. And then secondly, I'll just say, I was just a quick story. I was with a group last week in Michigan doing a couple day training on emotional intelligence and coaching skills. And one of the guys raised his hand and he says, you know, uh, the more and more I do this leadership stuff, the more I realize a lot of it is about psychology, which is true. In order for leaders to be really, really effective, they have to understand principles around psychology and they have to be really, really good at interpersonal dynamics. And I think that's one of the, you know, solutions we provide as a, as an organizational consulting firm. So that, that's how I would answer that.
1: I love that. Yeah. It's like we, you know, business has to grow and, and we, as people got to grow, but it's not just grow growth. It's, it's also growing up, you know, and it's, becoming, you, you know, so I love that. Um, where can people find you to either get a copy of your book or inquire about your services for helping their teams and their businesses grow?
0: Sure. Yeah. If they want some free goodies around leadership development, you know, team performance, workplace culture, they can go to ARC integrated. That's ARC slash free. And you'll get a whole bundle around, you know, like I said, resources that will help you manage change and help you become uh, better as a leader in your organization.
1: Awesome. Well, we're really grateful, Michael, to have you on the show here today, um, and I am anticipating probably having you back at some time because I know this is a much larger conversation than we're able to handle yeah. over just these uh, this 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 time here. Um, but for here at BizRadio.us, if you want to listen to this episode, any other episodes of the Mindful Marketplace, or there's lots of other great hosts that are all local entrepreneurs that you can learn from and hear from. Go to bizradio.us and click on the shows link. You can also, if you want to find me directly, go to mindfulmarketplaceshow.com. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for coming on. And all of you have a good rest of your day. Take care of yourselves and take care of someone else.